Let's talk about prayer. Have you ever noticed that prayer sometimes we make it really complicated? I don't know if anybody has experienced this before, but I've seen this happen before where, um, you know, I, I, when I was young, I remember talking to my parents. We would, we would meet and right in the hallway and we would read some scripture together and then pray together. And, and I'm really grateful for that example because my parents are just humble, regular people and they just prayed. And they talked to God like they would to someone on the phone or someone they knew. And I, that model for me was important because I realized that it's a conversation he wants to have. It wasn't until later, you know, where I heard people pray really eloquently. Have you heard really flowery good prayers? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but I've heard the prayers where they've got the knowists and the dusts and the thous and the, right? Not necessarily anything wrong with that. But I've also noticed times where uh, it sounds like sometimes, you know, prayers... It's almost like a speech rather than a prayer. Or have you ever noticed this? This always cracks me up. And and I apologize if you do this, and I'm not trying to insult anybody. But have you ever noticed when somebody's praying, and then they keep, they act like they forget who they're talking to, and it's like they're preaching to the crowd instead of praying to God. And like they started praying, and then they finished their sermon. ah. Sometimes we do make it too complicated. I think there's times, too, where I think some people are afraid to pray. Because they feel like they just don't know how to do it right. And because of that, they hold back a little bit. And I think there's some people who maybe even feel like they're just not worthy. Or people who feel like they, they don't have enough to say. Or if, what if they forget something? Or and if we could be really, really transparent. I know there's some people who really struggle with the abstract nature of prayer. I mean, it's different. It's hard enough sometimes to talk to somebody who's in the same room with you. Or across the dinner table. And yet, we're talking to God and we can't. We can't see him or hear him. Of course, I would say you can. And he's always talking. It's just we're not tuned in to listen. And we do see him moving, but we don't always see it. But when you're praying, there's times where it just feels like it's bouncing off the wall and you're going through motions or you're just talking to yourself. Or there's times where you feel like maybe you're just wishing out loud. And have you ever noticed that kids don't seem to struggle with that? They, it seems like they get it. It's just so easy for them. I, I, you've probably seen these kind of things before, but it just cracked me up. I was reading some kids' prayers. This one says, this is from Debbie. She's seven. says, uh, dear God, please send a new baby for mommy. The baby you sent last week cries way too much. <laughs> this one says, uh, dear God, who did you make smarter, boys or girls? Because my sister and I want to know. This one says, um, Thank you for the nice day today. You even fooled the TV weatherman. <laughs> this one's funny. It says, I, I, need to raise, I need to raise my allowance. Could you have one of your angels tell my father thank you? This one says, could you give my brother some brains? So far, he doesn't have any yet. <laughs> but on a way more serious note, I've talked to Christians who've been Christians for a long time, and they're struggling in prayer, and sometimes it's because their prayers have gone an- unanswered. And they've lost that, eff- that, that kind of desire and push to pray because they feel like they haven't been heard. I wonder sometimes if we were answered and we just didn't get the answer we wanted or in the time we wanted. Maybe you feel like you're kind of watching life happen and you, you, you know you should pray, but you feel like, like you don't have any power in it all and nothing's happening. Maybe you're just in a bad dream and it's like you're crying out and no one can hear you. 
I don't know how, how many of you, anybody had surgery for anything? You know, you go to the surgery and the anesthesiologist comes and they, they start to tell you all these things that can go wrong. You know what I'm talking about? And I know what they're doing. I mean, obviously there's insurance today and we're very litigious and we got to protect ourselves. I get it. And they're telling you, I mean, basically, I remember one time I'm laying there and they're basically saying, you may not wake up. Can you sign this now? <laughs> like, what? Really? For that? I mean, I thought we were doing stitches here. And, and oh, the best was, the best is now, and this is sad. I mean, it's sad, but the, the reason they have to do this. But there's time, have you noticed how they mark which leg or whatever? <laughs> or what time they're marking one of my legs? And I'm like, you think he's going to see that? I mean, they put an X like this big on there, you know. And um, so one time I, I woke up from a surgery and it was, I, I promise, I felt like I was in a movie. Because I remember waking up and I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, we're done. And, and, you know, it happens so fast, right? You're counting down, and the next thing you know, you're waking up. And I'm looking around, and there's all these beds. And they're all lined up all perfect. And I'm like, this is weird. I don't remember it like this before. And I see this nurse. She's only like three or four beds away. And I, I was still coming out of the anesthesia, so I couldn't really move really well. And uh, I remember I started, I started calling out to her, and she didn't even move. You, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had that dream? Where you can't, you're yelling and no one can hear you. And you're talking and no one re responds. And just to end that, that illustration, because that really did happen. She, she didn't actually even respond to me. And she went out and got Nicole, my wife, and said, yeah, I don't know why your husband's freaking out. Like, well, because you didn't, you didn't answer me. She never even looked at me. And I'm like, that's why I was freaking out. I'm fine. You know, but, but that sensation that nobody can hear you. And the sad thing is, there's a lot of times when we pray and we feel that way. God, are you there? Can you hear me? Do you know what's going on? And maybe you've tried, maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed. And maybe you're just thinking that maybe God's tired of hearing from you. I know none of you would do this, right? But, you know, we've got that phone graphic up there. And how many times have there been a call and you're like, I'll get that later? Or not at all. And you're the one on the other end and it's ringing, 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 ringing. And you're thinking, I wonder why they're not picking up. Well, maybe they're in a meeting. Or maybe they're talking to somebody. Or maybe, I was going to say maybe in their bathroom, but I know you all answer the phone in the bathroom probably. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't recommend that. But, but you, you kind of think, what, what, what's going on? And then when they don't call back, and then later you see them, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And sometimes we feel like God's maybe doing that, where I've bothered him too much, or maybe he knows already, and it's just not important. Maybe because you haven't seen any changes, you've just stopped trying, or... Maybe you've just gotten out of the habit because prayer is one of those things that it's, it's, it takes some effort from us. You have to want to, and then you have to do it. And then as you do, it grows on you. But maybe you've gotten out of the habit, or maybe you never even started the habit, or maybe you just don't feel very spiritual, or maybe you're so easily distracted. Anybody like that? I'm really trying not to be distracted right now. ADHD, ADD, AD, whatever, all the letters and the... Maybe you just got a lot on your mind, and you can't focus. Or maybe the, the thing that's so heavy on your mind, you can't think about anything else. I don't know if this ever happened to you, where you're talking to somebody, and they're talking, 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 but you've got this big, important thing going on. And then you realize, I have no idea what they're saying. I'm looking at them, and their mouth is moving, and you're just like, oh my goodness, what, what were they saying? And then you're trying to get the context so you don't say the wrong thing in response, and you're thinking, I am too distracted. Sometimes we're like that with God. Maybe you've got so many things to pray about that you procrastinate because you think, I don't have time to get it all in. I'll, I'll pray in just a little while. I'll pray, I'll pray this afternoon, and then 
you wake up in the morning like you didn't pray at all. And you feel guilty and then you think God's mad at me. And maybe you did pray for something really important and it didn't happen. And you wouldn't say it out loud because you know you, you worry th people would judge you or think about you differently, but maybe deep down you're just a little angry at him. You think, God, you should have done that. Why didn't you answer that one? You know how important it was to me and to everybody else. You knew that, God, you knew if you would have done that, so many people would have come to know you. Do you ever have those conversations with him? Things where you go, God, I know this would have been your will. Maybe you lost a job or lost a loved one or someone left you or your kids aren't following Christ. You know what my goal is in the next few minutes? It's to get you to pray again. You know what my goal is in the next few minutes? For you to want to pray again. And I don't know if I've described any of your situations or not. I don't know. But I know I've experienced each one of those things in one way or another, in one degree or another. And I know you can't be that much different than me. I know you look prettier and you're smarter and better Christians, but at least you could relate to some of those things. Here's how I think it breaks down. It breaks down like this. I want you to trust him. Trust him again. It, it goes like this. Relationships are built on communication and trust. Think about it. Every single relationship you have is built on communication and trust. Every single one. Every single one. Even the barista at Starbucks, you trust that what they give you is what you ordered. And you trust that when you communicate to them, they're hearing you. Then you get your cup and it, your name is spelled wrong. <laughs> and what do you do? You think, I can't believe they did that. And that's a relationship that really on the scale of things, let's be honest, doesn't really matter. But you have relationships that you live in every day, day in, day out. People who you love and know who maybe don't even live around here. And it's still about communication and trust. And there's people you see, maybe they pop up on Facebook and you say, I need to call them. Why? Because you need to communicate with them. And if you don't trust them, that relationship will only go so far. Or if something happens in the relationship that makes you start to question the trust, it will only go so far and that needs to be rebuilt and, re and re repaired. Every relationship. God is no different. The relationship that he has with us is about communication and trust. You've got to want it. You've got to want the relationship. And you've got to focus. And you've got to put it as a priority. I remember when I was a young father and, and talking with, you, you know how kids are, right? Not, none of you guys. I'm talking about little kids. Like they just ask you all these questions and they're on and on and on and blah, blah, blah. blah and, and I remember one time, Grace, she had to be, she was so little. I don't know how old she was. She was old enough to talk, but she was little. I remember she grabbed my hand, my face in her hands. And she pulled me over and she said, look in my eyes. And I'm looking at her, and that even now chokes me up just thinking, I wasn't listening to her, and she knew it. She was two, three, I don't know, she was little, but she knew the difference. She knew I wasn't listening. She knew it. I wasn't making the effort to communicate with her. And again, not to be rude, but really what she was saying wasn't like 
great. But it was. It mattered. It mattered because with a relationship. I heard people ask about a lot of things, quality or quantity. My answer is yes, yes, yes. You know, we live in a distracted age with cell phones and so much media and music and TV. And I know that we all know that. And you see it all the time, whether it's in your home or at a restaurant or driving on the freeway. I mean, I, I remember one day I was driving into work and I just thought I'm going to do a little little survey and just look into everybody's cars and driving by. Oh, my goodness. Eighty percent of them were on their phones and they're driving in the lines. And I'm driving by, I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus. Do you realize that for communication to work, you have to intend to do it? It's got to be intentional. With God, it has to be intentional. You choose to partake in this and you plan and make it happen. You actually dedicate and set aside time. And I know some of you are like, I don't know if I have time. Well, you know what? You make appointments for other things. Getting your teeth cleaned, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you should only talk to him twice a year, but but we make appointments for that. I mean, we make appointments for everything. We make appointments for lunch, call ahead seating, and we take care of it. Some of you probably pray through your day, and I think that's wonderful, having a constant conversation going with them all the time. The thing about it is, what I want to encourage you partly with the series is, don't make it a one-way conversation, not a monologue. I heard this the other day. This guy says, yeah, everybody treats me like God. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, they only talk to me when they need something. I'm like, ouch. Oh, man. Is that only time you talk to them? When you need? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Carol. She's like, yep. Uh, when you need something? Let me, let me ask you another question. What kind of God do you pray to? And you might be thinking, that's a weird question to ask in church. Of course, we pray to the, re the real God. But no, I'm serious. What kind of God do you pray to? If you think about this for a minute, is it the genie? Do you have the idea that he's a genie and if you rub the lamp? Just right, he just does, gives you the three wishes and does what you want. That's not communication and trust. Is, is it maybe the Santa Claus God? You know, the kindly old man who gives us stuff? And the whole naughty and nice thing, I mean, that's just in the song because we still expect him to give us stuff, right? Okay. Maybe is it the God who delivers on the karma? Like you're trying to tell him, God, I've been good. Give me stuff. Do good for me. I've been good. It's like we have this ledger in our minds where here's the good things, here's the bad things. As long as I keep the bad things here and the good things here, he should do good things for me. <laughs> here's the sad part about all of that. Oh, here's another one. Doting parent God, grandparent God. You know that grandparent who just gives the kids stuff, sugars them up, and then gives them back to the parents? How about, what if, what if our relationship with God is supposed to be way more than just giving things? And he's not an ATM and he's not he's not Santa Claus, but instead he's it's a relationship. And when you go to him, he doesn't say, go ask your mother. Right. He's the parent who knows best, I almost said father knows best, but I know that's too gender specific. But he's the father who knows you don't actually need everything you ask for. And he knows that some of the things you ask for you don't actually need and aren't actually good for you. And he's the God who loves you so much. He loves you too much to give you some of the things you ask for. 
And he knows that sometimes doing without builds character and working for things adds value and appreciation. And the value of money is something that's taught by experience. I wonder how many people prayed to win the lottery, that big lottery thing that happened a couple weeks ago or whenever it was. You know how it, remember how it was when you got your first check, paycheck? You're like, who is FICA? Why is he getting my money? Maturity is putting off immediate gratification for future things, and God helps teach us that. How many of you had this experience? Somebody comes and they says, well, everything was half off. It was all on sale. <laughs> yeah, but you still spent the half. So what are things you can expect God to do? I mean, what, when you talk to him and communicate and have this relationship, what could you expect? What are some things he tells us to ask him for in the Bible? Tell me. What are some of the things he says? What? Hmm? Wisdom? Yeah. He, okay. All right. You guys are pretty talkative. So let's just take a quick survey. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Does this sound like a God who wants to talk to you? Oh my goodness. He created you for relationship. The whole story of the Bible is the fact that he wanted relationship with us. We messed it up and then he has done everything to redeem and restore that relationship. And most of the time we walk around like he's not even there or or. <clears throat> that joke, like we just talked to him, we need something. But he's saying, ask, talk to me. Everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And he goes on, you parents. Now this kind of, don't be offended. If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So what does this say about him? What, kind, what does he want to give for you? You know what you can expect from him? What do you think? How about good things? You serve a God who wants to do good things. <clears throat> what else does he want to do for you? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what does he want to do for you? Whatever. Do you see how that works now? You guys catching up to me here? Can we do another one? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and forgive us of all unrighteousness. What does he want to do for you? He wants to forgive. We're supposed to talk to him about that. What else? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. What does he, what does he want to do for you? How about take away your worries? How about this? Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. What are you supposed to talk to him about? People to become Christ followers. He wants the whole world to know what you know. He wants all of them to experience what you've experienced. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wis spiritual wisdom and understanding. What does he want for you? What does he want you to ask for? Knowledge of his will. And what is his will? What does he want you to do? You know, it's funny, we, sometimes we get so hung up on what his will is, and it's, it can be so confusing sometimes, but he's not trying to make it complicated. I mean, it's not that complicated. He wants you to live for him. He wants you to live the fruit of the Spirit. He wants you to, 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 not, to not do things that are wrong. I mean, it's not that hard. 
But does God really care about all the little things that we struggle with? Puppy love, broken hearts, flat tires and parking spaces, blisters, job interviews. I say yes. I say yes. You know why I say yes? Because you serve a God who loves you and wants to know you. Look at the last part of John 10.10. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He wants you to live, but just not live. He wants you to live above and beyond everything you could possibly imagine. Everything. All those things we just listed, and that's a very short list. He says you should ask for. You should be in communication and trusting him for all of those things and more. But let me ask you a question. Um, the rich and satisfying life. Are we just supposed to be for things or should we pray against things too? Uh, you know, it's interesting because we, we live in a world that, that acts like there's no spiritual world unless you want to go to the movies. Then there's a lot of spiritual movies, of course. And we just came through the Halloween season, so there's plenty of that. But I think as Christians, there's times where we, we kind of ignore the spiritual world. We, we live partly in it and partly not. And it's, it's interesting because we don't know a lot about the spiritual world. I mean, obviously, when Jesus was on earth, he was casting out demons and, and uh, that kind of stuff happens. True. And in Jesus' prayers and the way he told us to pray, he doesn't mention that kind of thing short of telling us to pray against uh, being tempted. But maybe you've never thought about this. I just want to throw this in real quick. But uh, when Daniel, the prophet Daniel, he was in captivity in Babylon. Uh, scholars believe he was there the entire 70 year captivity. And during that year, he looked into the prophecy, found out it was going to be 70 years. And he, the Bible says he started praying. Look how he prayed. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. He pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. We're talking about prayer in this conversation. I'm just trying to throw at you a bunch of different things so that you see how broad this relationship should be. Here's this, this portion of scripture is really interesting. So I turned to him and prayed. I, I wore a rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. So a few verses later, he gets an answer. The man, an angel sent to him, says, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. And when he said this, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began praying. It was 21 days, by the way. I didn't include that verse, but 21 days. For, un for understanding, to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit uh, prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit of the kingdom of Persia. Anybody heard, is this anybody's first time reading this? Then a little further down, he replies, don't you know why I have come? Soon I must return and fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that spirit, the prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I'll tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. And scholars believe it wasn't Daniel's spirit prince, but instead the people of Israel. But regardless... Here's my point in even bringing those scriptures up. There's a spiritual world that we should pray against. We don't know all the details. And people have written books and preached sermons. I get that. 
but we don't know a lot. What we do know is it exists. We don't know quite the level of influence, but we need to be praying about those things. Next week, what we're going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down a couple of Paul's prayers, and I'm going to have you literally pray for people in your life the way Paul prayed for people. And in the meantime, you should be praying protection over the people that you care about, over your life, over this church. I don't know what their influence is, but I'll tell you this. We serve a God who is greater, and we need to be praying against those things. How about the idea of persistence? Pastor Michael, when he was here, that was such a great sermon. He preached about persistence in prayer. And he talked about the fact that we don't always know God's timing, right? And he also talked about how the devil was a liar. And he talked about how you are called. And there's no, he didn't say these words, but there's no testimony without a test. I mean, things happen and you need to be ready for that. And he talked about how Ab Abraham prayed and was faithful, even though he didn't see his promise coming. And he talked about how there's times where people walk away from the promise before its fulfillment because they don't persist in prayer. This Isaiah passage is amazing. But those who wait for the Lord, this is the amplified version, who expect, look for, and hope in him will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles. Rising toward the sun, they will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. You want to know him? Do you want to know him? Do you want to have power in his presence? You've got to spend time with him. Think about every human relationship you have. When there's distance and time between you and not closeness, you know that the relationship is weak. If you want the relationship to be strong, you need to choose to spend time with him. <clears throat> Going back to the beginning, like I said, here in the garden, this is right after Adam and Eve ate the fruit. Look at this picture. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. Then they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Do you see this picture? They used to walk with God in the garden and talk. To me, it blows my mind. Can you imagine what it would be like to walk with him and talk with him face to face? Someday we'll know. Someday we'll know. And right now here on earth, prayer and, and times of worship are the closest we're going to get to that. But, but can you imagine just being literally in his presence one-on-one -on -one and you're talking with him? What would that be like? What would that feel like? Can you imagine what they, that it's so sad to think about that they had this, then they fell, and then they didn't, and they thought they should hide, yet God calls out to them. He still wants that relationship with them. You know what it reminds me of a little bit? Is when those two disciples, after Jesus had died, and they didn't know he had risen from the dead, but they're walking to Emmaus. You remember this story? And the Bible says that Jesus appears and is walking with them as a traveler, and they didn't recognize him. And as they're walking, he says, hey, what's going on? And they say, well, you don't know what's going on. Haven't you heard about Jesus and, and how he was this wonderful teacher and prophet and healed all these people? And then the Romans killed him, and, and Jesus lays out to them Every prophecy, the Bible says, every prophecy in the Old Testament, that's the f he is the fulfillment of. And, and they still don't understand. And then when they go to eat with him, they, he's going to travel on, and they say, no, stay and eat. And then as he breaks bread, he, he's revealed to them who he is, and he disappears. And what did they say? This is the key. Wow, didn't our hearts just burn inside of us? Can you imagine what it would be like to be talking to him? What would you feel? What would you feel in that moment? Oh, that 
uh, that only I, I Can Only Imagine song kind of talks about that. What would you feel? Would you just want to pour out everything to him? Are you in a place right now where you're frustrated and confused and you just want some answers? You know what it comes down to is this. It's, it all comes down to this communication and trust. Can you trust him like that? I, I, think, I think the trust part is the reason why we struggle with communication. Because if you fully trusted him, the communication will flow. But if there's doubt there, then the communication is, is hindered to some degree. If there's frustration there, then the communication isn't going to be as open. Can you trust him? Can you, to know him is to trust him. You heard that saying, to know him is to love him. I'm saying, to know God is to trust him. If you really know him, then you do trust him. This, this Proverbs verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. The key is trust. If you trust him with all your heart, you will depend on him. You will trust him for all those things. That's how it works, but it comes down to that. Can you, do you trust him? Is he enough? What are some things that you're trusting him for right now? Family? A family situation? Salvation for somebody? Career? School? Maybe a major? Maybe a future? Maybe a relationship? Finances? Healing? Do you trust him? Do you believe that he cares and has your back? At one point, Jesus was talking to the disciples, and he, he said something that shook them up, and they said, well, is anything possible? And his answer was this. Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Do you really believe that, though? Because if you do, then you will trust. If you do, you will trust. If I could have the musicians join me, I just want to do this with us for a minute. I want you to shut your eyes, everybody. I, I want to increase your faith right now. I want the Holy Spirit to just, to just come inside you and remind you of who this God is I'm asking you to trust. Because <laughs> I, know, I know how it is. I know there's things going on and you're thinking, yes, I want to, but I'm struggling. And yes, I know. We read that verse. We read that verse in Isaiah 40 that talked about rising up like eagles. But the thing is, we seldom read the first part of that. I want you, I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to get some excitement in your bones about who this God is that you trust. You can trust him. Who is he? Just shut your eyes and let me read this to you. Who is he? He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. <coughs> who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the, the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on the scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or to teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, the nations of the world are all but a drop, drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as if it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals will not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our Lord God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare to God? What image can you find to resemble him? 
Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if the people are too poor for that, they might at least choose some wood that won't decay and skilled craftsmen can carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? You, are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root. And when he blows on them, they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, asked the Holy One. Look up to the heavens. Who created the stars? Who brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by name? Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. How can you see, say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He knows he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Let me just ask you, with your eyes still closed, can you trust Him? Can you trust Him? Let me ask you a more important question. Who here, if you would just raise your hand for a second, who here... You are trusting him for something. Would you raise your hand for a minute? Thank you for that. Let me ask you another question that's important today. Who here would be honest and say, God, I trust you, but I'm struggling a little bit. I'm struggling with trust a little bit. Would you just raise your hand if that is you? I see that hand. I see those hands, lots of hands. He's here to tell you today that you can trust him. It all comes down to that communication and trust he desires a relationship. Will you spend time with him? Will you spend time and tell him about it? When the answers are slow to come, will you do that when you don't know which way to turn? Will you do that when you're still asking and you've asked before? Will you ask him again? Another very important question. Maybe you're sitting here today and you really don't actually know him at all, but you want to know him. Maybe you've never asked him to come into your heart and to... Given, given over your heart to him, but you want to start a life with him. Is anybody here like that today that you would start to like to start a life with Christ today? Anybody at all? Okay, I'm going to ask you all to stand for a minute. If you're one of those who help us pray, if you're one of the pastors or wives or board wives, prayer team, if you would come down real quickly, we want to take a moment and just pray with you. Maybe you want to come down and and you just need some encouragement, someone to stand with you, put their faith with your faith, and trust God to change some circumstances. Maybe it's a situation that involves healing. Maybe it's a situation that involves a family relationship. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's a spiritual thing, and you just need somebody to stand with you and pray against spiritual forces in some way. We want to do that with you today. So if that is you, if you would come and join us for prayer for a moment. Promise still stand.